0: Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 11.9 FM, brought to you by CFRC's news collective, Christina Laurie, Dinah Jansen and Jesse Bell. Today in YGK is also brought to you through the support of the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. I'm Christina Laurie, and here are your local news headlines. Good evening, it is 5pm and you're tuned in to Kingston Currents here on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC's news programming is brought to you through the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. I'm Christina Lorre, CFRC's broadcast journalist here to keep you posted on all things Limestone Local. To start us off, here are some local news headlines. Kingston Fire and Rescue received water shuttle reaccreditation. Kingston Fire and Rescue has completed a successful reaccreditation of the Superior Tanker Shuttle Service with commercial rating through Fire Underwriters Survey, FUS. This level of accreditation is a recognized equivalency to hydrant protection and must be renewed every five years. According to FUS, to be recognized for accredited Superior Tanker Shuttle Service, a fire department must exceed the requirements in several areas. Kingston Fire and Rescue Chief Monique Belair states, This achievement demonstrates our ability to transport water to rural fire scenes and confirms our commitment to providing exceptional fire protection service to our residents it also provides our rural residents with a potential reduction in insurance premiums end quote. Kingston Fire and Rescue would like to thank and recognize Rulect Canada for the use of their property to conduct the testing as well as South Frontenac Fire and Rescue, Loyalist Township Emergency Services and Leeds 1000 Islands Fire Service for providing equipment and resources. Richard Edworthy Chief Training Officer with Kingston Fire and Rescue states last but not least thank you to our amazing firefighters and training division for their hard work and dedication to achieving this level. Well done and congratulations, end quote. Coming up at the end of September, stay safe with upcoming KFPL Rotary presentations on fraud awareness and prevention. In today's rapidly changing world, staying informed about the evolving landscape of fraud is crucial. Ensure you are empowered and ready to outsmart fraud with the guidance of the Rotary Club of Kingston and the Kingston Frontenac Public Library's upcoming fraud awareness and prevention sessions. You can join one of two seminars that will provide a comprehensive understanding of fraud tactics and and equip you with the expertise to thwart deceptive schemes targeting personal security and financial stability. Jake Miller, librarian and adult programming states, don't be caught off guard by fraud. Join the Rotary Club and KFPL in building a community that's informed and prepared. By attending these sessions, you will be equipped to recognize fraudulent attempts from all angles, from identifying potential scams over the phone to recognizing deception in person and online. You can actively engage and ask questions, ensuring you leave with a strong foundation and fraud prevention strategies, end quote. Sessions take place on September, 21st at 6.30 p.m. at the Central Branch and October 28th at 2 p.m. at the Isabel Turner Branch. For this and more KFPL programming, be sure to head to calendar.kfpl.ca. Also in KFPL programming, launch into learning. Frank Hitchens explores NASA's 65-year space odyssey. Get ready to embark on a journey that is truly out of this world. The countdown is on for an event that will take you on a stellar ride through NASA's incredible 65-year legacy. Presented by Frank Hitchens, an amateur astronomer with a passion for all things cosmic. Hosted by Kingston Frontenac Public Library. This event promises enlightening insight into the founding, history, and transformative role of NASA since its inception in 1958. Jake Miller, librarian and adult programming, states, The impact of NASA's insights on reshaping our cosmic perspective is beyond measure. Hitchens' impressive expertise will shed light on NASA's work over the past six and a half decades, exploring the pioneering spirit that defines NASA's legacy. Humanity's Greatest Adventure, 65 Years of NASA, is happening on September 22nd at 2 p.m. at the Isabel Turner Branch. You can register for this event and check out other events at calendar.kfpl.ca and learn more about the organization that has reshaped our perception of the final frontier. KFLNA Community Partners announces What You Don't See The Person Anti-Stigma Campaign. The KFLNA Community Drug Strategy Advisory Committee and Trellis HIV and Community Care are launching an anti-stigma campaign to increase awareness of substance use stigma and the negative impact it has on people's lives. The campaign aims to humanize people who use substances and promote understanding and compassion around how trauma lies at the root of addiction. While developing a community response to the drug poisoning crisis, KFLNA Community Partners identified a clear need to reduce the stigma around substance use. Stigma makes it harder to break the cycle of substance use, discourages people from seeking care, and prevents them from being seen as they truly are, a fellow human in need of support. Stigma against people who use substances only makes a scary situation worse, says Candace Christmas, project engagement manager at the Support Not Stigma initiative run by Trellis HIV and Community Care. It's so pervasive in our community and our systems and it needs to be addressed because people are afraid to get the help they need. The campaign features seven stories from people with lived experience with substance use and stigma, including others, a chemical engineer, frontline workers, people experiencing homelessness, and other members of our community. The stories will be displayed throughout the city, on social media, and at supportnotstigma.ca. Substance use isn't a moral failing, added Susan Stewart, CDSAC Chair and Director of Community Wellbeing at KFLNA Public Health. We hope that people see a part of themselves in these stories so that people can learn to be kind to members of their community who are experiencing challenges. Find out what you can do to make Kingston a kinder place for people impacted by substance use. Visit Support Not Stigma. CA. This is Christine O'Leary coming in with your arts news. In arts news this week, additions to this year's Limestone City Blues Fest were well received. New additions to this year's Limestone City Blues Festival, which took place this past weekend, were well received according to the Downtown Kingston Business Improvement Area. The feedback has been overwhelmingly positive, confirms Jan McDonald, Artistic Director of the festival. We're really encouraged by the outcome. Having just wrapped its 26th edition, the long-running event has experienced a decrease in attendance post-pandemic. In an effort to breathe new life into the festival, the BIA incorporated a number of changes, including a licensed area, an artisan market, and a more musically diverse lineup. Along with the traditional inclusion of top-tier blues performers, the festival expanded on the range of genres showcased. Over 60 concerts took place over the four-day event, with two evenings of main stage performances in Springer Market Square, as well as fan-favorite shows in Confederation Park and live music venues throughout downtown. We loved seeing the t-shirts from past festivals come through the gates, but we were also really excited to meet lots of people discovering the festival for the first time, Best festival coordinator Sandy Griffiths. Looking ahead to next year, the BIA promises more changes. I sat down with the artistic director for this year's festival and here's what she had to say. I know a few things were different this year. What spurred these decisions and how did it impact turnout and feedback this year?
1: So it started last summer. We've been noticing and not just as a result of COVID but as a result of changing demographics that our audience was getting a little bit smaller sort of year after year. And what we've noticed is that the average age of our audience is definitely, you know, blues fans tend to be 55 plus. Uh, So the number of people who were coming out to the festival was decreasing little by little each year. And then, of course, we had the impact of COVID. So people in, in that age bracket were less likely to come out to events where there were a lot of people. So we had some brainstorming sessions last fall with stakeholders, not only our staff, but our board members, some of our business owners and people in the music industry, just to chat about what we could do to make the festival new and interesting to a younger demographic. So as a result of that meeting, we came up with a few ideas. And again, the idea is to change the festival slowly over a number of years, not to do a dramatic change from one year to the next. Mm -hmm. So what we decided to do this year was to invite some younger and sort of more hipper, if you don't mind that word, uh, bands to our free stage, which is Confederation Park stage. That stage uh, has performers on it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoons, all afternoon. So we chose uh, Saturday as the one day that was really going to be geared to a younger audience. So we invited bands like Dakotas and Oak Ridge Avenue and Nissan and fans that we knew had a much younger audience. So that turned out to be very successful. The crowds were great. We were very excited to see the, the demo of the audience changing for those days. And then to incite people to join in the festivities in the square, we added for the first time, and this festival has been going since 1997, so quite a while. Uh, a licensed area, so we worked with several of our downtown businesses, including the Caesar Company, Something in the Water, Mm -hmm. uh, and McKinnon Brothers, and Fine Balance Brewery to bring a licensed area for Friday and Saturday nights to Springer Market Square. That was a great success. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also worked with the uh, Kingston Holiday Market, which is a group that has holiday artisan markets to have an artisan market in Confederation Park for Saturday and Sunday. And again, a huge success. Over 40 vendors were there each day, Saturday and Sunday afternoons. And people really enjoyed that. So slowly by slowly, we're making some changes. We also decided to gate the square this year for the first time. It's been difficult over the years closing the roads because we know that that impacts the businesses and how people can get around downtown. So we tried that this year, gating the square, not closing the roads. Um, the jury's still out on whether we'll continue with that uh, that scenario or not for next year. But certainly the changes that we made in, in terms of the musicians we hired, having a licensed area, having vendors in the park, we'll go forward with them
0: 100%. McDonald described the results of the changes that she saw.
1: Yes, certainly in Confederation Park, especially on the Saturday, there was a much younger crowd. And those bands obviously have followings, and to be able to see them for free, people always really enjoy that concept. So there was no question that that impacted it. And then Saturday night, when we had Jeremy Albino as our headliner, we could tell just I was actually side stage. And I could see that sort of the first hundred people who were right up the front standing, listening to the music, dancing, knowing every word, they were definitely a younger group. So in that aspect, it definitely worked Uh, bringing in a younger crowd. And then adding a licensed area, of course, is, you know, it's a treat for everybody who attends a festival and kind of a given. You expect that that will be there. So we were a bit of an anomaly for the last 25 years and not having it. So we're happy to have that as well.
0: McDonald also gave hints as to what festival goers can expect from Limestone City Blues Fest in the future.
1: Uh, we're, we are um, having serious planning sessions this fall to look at the future of not only the Blues Festival, but other festivals and events that we do. Um, you know, everything has its time and its place, and uh, I'm certainly not saying that the festival will go away. I really don't think it will, but I think it will likely morph into a, a little bit more of a music festival as opposed to a traditional Blues Festival.
0: The Kingston School of Art is currently accepting submissions from artists for their 2023 juried exhibition. This year marks the sixth year of running the exhibition, which is one of the key fundraising events for the Nonprofit Arts Center. Visual artists age 18 and above from the City of Kingston, Loyalist Township, Wolf Island, and Frontenac Islands, as well as Frontenac, Leeds and Grenville, and Hastings Counties, are invited to submit their work for the show. Which will take place in the Kingston School of Art Window Gallery on Princess Street. The event itself will include an exclusive members-only preview the day before the opening reception on October 7th, over $1,500 of prizes presented to artists in three categories, and more. I sat down with Maddie Andrews, Executive Director at the Kingston School of Art, to talk about this year's exhibition. What kind of artists are eligible to submit and what kinds of pieces are you looking for?
2: Entry is open to residents ages 18 and above of the city of Kingston, Wolf Island, and the Frontenac Islands, and the counties of Frontenac, Lennox and Addington, Leeds and Grenville, and Hastings, so the surrounding area. Beyond that though, it's very open. Um, both professional and emerging artists are invited to submit. In terms of what we're looking for, so participants may enter up to three artworks of their choosing. They must the original pieces in a two-dimensional medium and be ready to hang. There are more detailed instructions about specifics on our website, but beyond that, again, we're very open and excited to see how different people approach this submission process. I
0: know you recently put out a call to artists, but you've been accepting pieces for a little while. What's been coming in? How's it been so far?
2: So we actually find that most people submit during the final few days of the call, but so far we've been receiving mostly paintings in oils, acrylics, and watercolors with a few examples of printmaking interspersed in there too. Is 65 the normal number of pieces that are selected? In short, yes. We can display a maximum of 65 artworks in our window art gallery. And in previous years, the number of pieces has hovered around that.
0: number but ultimately it's at the discretion of the jurors. Also this year I know there's $1,500 in prizes. I believe that's the same as previous years or at least last year. I was wondering if you could get into the categories a little bit. The amount is the same as the past two years. Prizes are formed
2: through donations from our generous juried exhibition sponsors. We have, yes, over $1,500 in prizes to be awarded, including three juror awards. The first, second, and third. A People's Choice Award, where visitors are welcome to vote for their favorite piece throughout the duration of the exhibition, and it is awarded at the end of the show. And then nine honorable mentions. And so these will be decided by the jurors, and then the People's Choice Award by the public like
0: just to backtrack for a quick second, you mentioned your sponsors there. I was wondering, is has it been consistently the same few sponsors throughout the years? Are there some new ones this year? Yeah, so we have quite a few consistent sponsors who have gener-
2: generously supported the Juried Art Show the past few years. Um, so it really would be impossible to run this um, fundraiser without their support, their local businesses, and individuals. So a huge thank you is due to them. Um, the sponsors include the In Memory of Henny Marsh KPMG, Health for Life Medical Center, Mike Scranage and Karen Charlton, Kingston Frameworks, Mark Peabody Custom Builder, Art Noise, and Cunningham Swan Lawyers
0: so folks can look
2: forward to this on october 7th how can folks enjoy the exhibition folks can stop by our window art gallery located at the intersection of princess street and victoria street throughout october to see the uh, the juried exhibition we open on saturday the 7th of october officially and run until the 29th of october all are welcome to attend our opening reception on saturday the 7th of october from 12 to 4 p.m with awards and remarks being given at one o'clock. And if folks want to become members, they are very welcome to then attend our members preview the evening before on the Friday.
0: Once again, that was Maddie Andrews with the Kingston School of Art chatting about this year's juried exhibition. Artists are welcome to submit their work until September 10th, 2023, and can find more information regarding submission guidelines on the Kingston School of Art website.
3: Good evening, this is Jesse Bell from the CFRC Sports Desk and this is your Sports Report for Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. It is shaping up to be a busy weekend for both professional sports as well as sports here at Queen's University. Starting with the National Football League, the 2023 season is set to kick off on Thursday, September 7th, with a Thursday night football game between the Detroit Lions and the Buffalo Bills. This should be a high-scoring affair between two of the league's most exciting teams, and as we move into the weekend, there are a number of marquee Week 1 matchups in the NFL as well. There are two games worth highlighting on the weekend spread. The first is the Cleveland Browns versus Cincinnati Bengals game on Sunday at 1pm, a classic AFC North Division rivalry, but for me, the most interesting game of the weekend will likely be the 4pm Sunday game between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers with a brand new quarterback in Jordan Love, and the Chicago Bears with a new look offense featuring new offensive linemen, a new number one wide receiver in DJ Moore, and the dual threat quarterback sensation Justin Fields. For more information on all the NFL action, tune in at 1 p.m. on Friday to Conquer Your Draft here on CFRC 101.9 FM. On the Monday Sports Report, we discussed the upcoming Gales game between Queens and Toronto at Varsity Stadium, but there are other varsity events happening both here and abroad. On Saturday, September 9th at Nixon Field, the Queen's women's rugby team will be hosting the Ottawa GGs in a matchup between two of the nation's best rugby programs. And on Sunday, September 10th, the men's rugby team will be on the road in Waterloo. CFRC wishes good luck to all the teams playing this weekend. This concludes your sports report for Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. This is Jesse Bell signing off.
0: Thank you, Jesse. This is Christina Laurie coming in with your campus news. For returning Queens students, the fall term has begun as of September 1st, and students are now in residence as of Saturday, September 2nd. While today students have no classes due to Labor Day, tomorrow, fall term classes begin on September 5th. Also September 5th to the 10th for summer term students. It is the summer term deferred assessments period for the July to August six week and May to July 12 week sessions. The next upcoming deadlines you have to look out for as a Queen student are on the 18th. Firstly, on September 18th, students unable to register in fall term. By the state must submit an academic petition to the office of the associate dean. If the academic petition to register late is granted, students must pay tuition fees in full with the exception of OSAP students. September 18th is also the last day to add fall term and multi-term classes and the last day to drop fall term and multi-term classes without financial penalty. For new incoming students to Queens, orientation week is already in full swing and there's more activities to come. Be sure to check out your fall orientation schedule at the fall orientation schedule hub at queensu.ca slash orientation slash schedules. You can find the schedule for your specific faculty orientation. That's all for your campus news update today and next up is Dino with weather and traffic.
4: Thanks so much and now it's time for the CFRC weather report. Tonight we'll have clear skies with increasing cloudiness late this evening then a 40% chance of showers overnight and a risk of thunderstorm. Winds becoming southwest at 30 kilometers an hour with a low of 21. Thursday we'll have mainly cloudy skies with a 40% chance of showers and a risk of thunderstorm in the afternoon and a high of 25. Thursday night, cloudy periods with a 60% chance of showers and a low of 16. Friday a mix of sun and clouds, 60% chance of showers, a high of 25. And Friday night, cloudy with a 40% chance of showers, low of 14. On Saturday a mix of sun and clouds, some showers potentially, and a high of 24. Day night, cloudy periods with a 30% chance of showers and a low of 12, and the outlook for Sunday is a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 22, and cloudy periods that night with a low of 9. And now it's time for the City of Kingston traffic report right here on CFRC. Motorists, cyclists and pedestrians can expect alternating lane closures on the LaSalle Causeway on Tuesday, September 5th to Friday, September 8th from 9.30am to 3pm and 6pm to 11pm. During these periods, one lane will be closed and another will remain open for alternating traffic with two flag persons on site to direct traffic. Motorists can also expect road closures on Curtis Crescent on the North Leg at Portsmouth. King Street, tragically hipway way to Plasta Arms. Lower Spur Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. Queen Street westbound from King Street east to Ontario will be closed until September 8th from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Notch Hill Road from Queen Mary to Runnymede is closed until September 22nd. Queen Mary from Bath to Notch Hill also closed until September 22nd. Sydenham Street from Queen to Princess is closed until October 12th. University Avenue Union to Earl is closed until December. And Wright Crescent, south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace, is closed until Halloween. Parking disruptions are still underway at the Chown Memorial Parking Lot as the uh, building goes through the maintenance and renewal and waterproofing upgrades process. Work is expected to conclude in late December. Parking is available at the Hanson Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial Parking Garages in the two adjacent blocks to the east. Other road delays may be expected at Bath Road at Queen Mary, Bay Ridge Drive from Woodbine to Cat Woods, Duff Street from Patrick to the end of Duff, Highway 15 from Main to Highway 2, Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, Montreal Street at the CN Overpass expect a lane closure September 5th through the 19th from 9am to 5pm for a condition survey. Princess Street, Collins Bay to Bay Ridge, expect delays until Halloween. Other delays can also be expected at Sir John A. McDonald Boulevard at Johnson, Taylor Kidd Boulevard from Collins Bay to 100 metres west of the Collins Creek Bridge and Westbrook Road from Princess to Windmere. And now moving over to the CFRC Concert and Events calendar on Tuesday, September 5th. Check out Tuesday afternoon at the RCHD with Tom Savage and Friends, an open-to-mic jam starting at 4 p.m. At 8 o'clock, Taylor Simpson, Kixie, Bucks, Moonlight Revival, and Lauren Carson are also playing at the Mansion, $15 at the door, and doors open at 8. Megan Suds is also hosting a free karaoke evening at the Royal Tavern 2.0 starting at 7, and the Yellow House on Stewart Street is hosting a BIPOC and 2SL. LGBTQ Plus Mixer on campus starting at 5pm on September 6th folks can head back to Wolf Island for another free open mic evening starting at 7 o'clock and Pump 5 we'll also be playing lots of fun alternative music at the Overtime Sports Bar that evening starting around 9, $10 at the door and then you can head over as well to uh, the Spearhead Brewery which is hosting Scott and Kate of the band The Stairs on the 6th at 7pm for a free show On September 7th, you can check out Quentin Cofftree at the Bank Gastro Bar for free at 6pm for the Courtyard Concert Series. You can also visit Blue Martini for the weekly Royal Jam hosted by Rough Mix and MC René Vermette for free starting at 7pm. You can also head across the road to the RCHA to see Chris Murphy of Turpin's Trail starting at 7pm, $5 at the door. Hotel Wolf Island is also hosting a great instrumental jazz groove sound mix that evening with Clear Breeze for free starting at 6 p.m. On September the 8th visit Blue Martini for covers and originals by Christopher Jackson and Friends a free show starting at 8 p.m. And at the Broom Factory that evening, check out a What's Next Tour featuring new friends, Colour Theory and Lauren Carson. $20 at the door starting at 7.30. The Change is also playing some classic rock hits at the RCHA for $10 at 8 o'clock. And Tegan McLaren will play for free at Kirkpatrick's on September 8th starting at 5 p.m. Also that evening, Mobius Trip. Red Compass Rose and John Hurst will play The Mansion for $7 starting at 8 p.m., while Sparrow Blue will play for free at The Merchant starting at 10, and Brian Flynn with Andrew Van Horn will be playing traditional and contemporary kelp music for free at Tiernanog starting at 9. And keep your ear to the ground for the mystery concert at Queen's behind Miller Hall, an all-ages event featuring, well, some big band to welcome students back to Queen's University. On September 9th, students can drop by CFRC's booth and visit many other campus and local organizations booths at the Assis sidewalk sale running all day starting at 10.30 on University Avenue. We'll see you there. On September 9th as well, the empties in Charlie Houston are also playing at the mansion. $20 at the door starting at 8 o'clock while Fist will be playing the overtime starting at 9.30. On the 9th as well at 7pm, you can see the Shawshank Redemption for $19 at the outdoor movie series at the Kingston Penitentiary, a ticket that includes a visit to a feature area of the facility. Christopher Jackson will play some originals at Spearhead at 2pm for free, and 9pm Beers for Queers will be underway at Monty's as well on September 9th, and Hotel Wolf Island is also hosting a Ribfest special for students from 3.30 to 5.30 that day, where students can get a discount on their three-course Ribfest meal on their waterfront patio. And that night, folks can stick around Hotel Wolf Island Island for some classic rock by Steve Cheeseman and the heaters starting at 7 o'clock.
0: You for tuning in to CFRC's local news programming. To revisit episodes of Today in YGK and hear more from some of our guests, be sure to head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Today in YGK is brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. Dear listeners, as you may have heard, Meta, which owns Instagram and Facebook, is blocking Canadian access to all content created by news providers, including this radio station, in response to the Online Broadcasting Act. Access to local news and information matters to everyone, and while radio stations use their airwaves to keep you informed, we also use social media to share local news, events, and initiatives, and even content about our upcoming programming. We need you to write your MP and convey your concerns. Learn more and find a letter template for your MP on our website, cfrc.ca. Thank you for your support.